The following is a hoop ball presentation. Welcome to the Fantasy NBA Today podcast. And then there were six days remaining. In the NBA regular season, we are winding it down, and we're getting real damn close. Hope you guys are kicking butt. That's right. I went with the made-for-TV version of that sentence. Hope you guys are kicking butt here this final week. Whether you are in a head-to-head playoff that goes to the final week of the regular season, tell your commissioner, who is clearly a sociopath, to get that fixed for next year immediately. Or if you're in Roto, You're counting down the days and you're stat hunting here because six rebounds might make the difference in your league. We're going to walk you through to the final day. I I think it's very easy for a lot of fantasy analysts or websites to kind of throw in the towel on the last week of the regular season. I want to make sure that we don't do that. I want to be your bastion of continued grinding. You know, the, the last week... Look at the way the players handle it. This is a total mail-in week for any team that isn't expressly uh, at risk of falling out of the playoffs. It's a total mail-in week. But we're not going to do that here. Not on Fantasy NBA Today. Not at Hoop Ball. Not ever. I will say, though, as much as I hope you guys are continuing to listen now, I would also hope you continue to listen during the off season. That's what I'll start almost every show this week with. We have a lot of things to cover in the offseason. We do not take a break. We go straight into season review, which is also part of our massive multi-month prep for the following season. We don't just luck into winning most years. This is hard work. The ads, the drops, all that stuff, that's the grind. But the prep, if you don't have a good draft, you're way up a creek. But the thing I'll always say before we dive into the uh, relatively short, actually, Monday recap is good draft is sort of a is very much a subjective term. A good draft continues to basically mean that if you're in anything other than the most absurdly competitive, ridiculously high buy in type of leagues. Those ones you got to take a few more chances because you're not going to, someone's going to beat you with a, the, you know, the world's greatest draft. But if you're in, and guys, I'm in, and I'm in them with some of you dudes I and gals, I, I'm in pretty damn competitive leagues overall. And I'm always right in the top in every Roto league I'm in. I don't think I finished outside of third in a non-keeper Roto league in like a decade almost. And the reason is we don't screw up our drafts. Don't screw up your draft. You might have a terrible draft pick, but you don't screw up the whole damn draft. Just don't do anything insane. And we position ourselves for that by value hunting at every turn. And the way we know where those values are going to be is by paying attention through the offseason, understanding what teams were trying to do this year and what they're going to be trying to do next year. 
looking at opportunity and stat set and all that type of stuff and roles for the players, but that's actually a little bit farther down the board. It's public perception. Fantasy draft day is is like playing the stock market. You're grabbing someone where the public perception does not match the actual production. Chris Paul is the perfect example of this. It hasn't mattered, and maybe it will, finally, because like he's, got, he's worked himself into the MVP discussion now, for better or worse, and he, he's not the MVP, but he's worked himself into the discussion. That might actually catapult his public perception back up a few clicks, but after languishing in Houston while playing a role that he was uncomfortable with, no one believed he could ever be Chris Paul again. But it, it overshadowed the fact that this was a guy who, when he's running a team, or mostly running a team on the floor, is was a first-round first per-game guy, and at his very worst, a second-round per-game guy, who, and then you play the, the durability thing, even if he played 70 to 75% of his team's games, he was still beating his ADP around 40 two years ago. And this year, there was a tiny bit more risk there, but his ADP was still like 34. And he's clobbering it again. So it's all about, and that's why the Dan Vespers Old Man Squad is such a fun and silly thing we do. And we have a fun, a, a goofball name for it. But it's really about finding boring guys. It's not so much that they're old, it's that they're boring. Chris Paul's boring. He has good fantasy lines. But look at his numbers for the year. It's boring. 16 and 9. One and a half three-pointers, one and a half steals, four and a half rebounds. 49% from the field, 93% at the free throw line, only 2.2 turnovers. Assists at 9 are, are really the only thing you could look at and say, well, that's kind of exciting. The rest of his stuff is like, oh, he's scoring a tiny bit above average. Three-pointers, actually slightly below average. Rebounding, pretty good for a point guard, but sub-average compared to the, most of your fantasy team. Assists above, steals above, blocks below. Field goal, free throw percent, both very good, particularly for a point guard to get that field goal percent. Low turnover, so great assist to turnover ratio. And you roll that all together, and you got a number 19 on a per-game basis this year. It's not sexy. We don't draft sexy. We draft value. Value. Clint Capella was a massive value this year. Miles Turner, prior to getting hurt, and that one sort of lucked into it a little bit. Massive value this year. You don't have to go get the sexiest pick in fantasy to win. You don't. Rob Covington, not at all sexy, but there he is, just like always. Rocco just beating fools over the head with his reliable value. In the 50s, on the entire season, I was after a really slow start. Remember that dude was at 140? After six weeks this year, how good do you think he's had to be since then to get to where he's at now? The answer is third rounder. Yeah, you got that right. There he is again. And they're up and down the board. And that's why we do fine. Don't screw up your top five picks. Do okay with them. Find boring guys. Tobias Harris's of the world. And you'll be fine. The teams that lose are the teams that take risks in the second and third round. It doesn't work. The team that took Shea too soon. The team that took Kevin Durant, who didn't play it all this year. Don't do it. 
sometimes they work out okay. You know, Joel Embiid, second rounder, pretty close to that on the year, despite missing a whole bunch of ball games. What other risks were there in the relatively early rounds? Zion was a pretty big risk. He's actually generally been okay. LeBron, I thought, was a huge risk this year. Those teams aren't winning. AD was a pretty big risk. I did that in one league. Didn't work that great for me. Don't take a risk in the first three rounds. Just don't do it. You can win elsewhere. All you can do in the first three rounds is lose. Anyway, welcome to the show, everybody. This is Fantasy NBA Today. I am Dan Bespris. I, I thought we could take a few minutes to talk about draft strategy as we begin to think about the offseason. Just because Monday was a super short card, we are winding it down. We're going to still talk about the best streaming stuff going forward, particularly streamers of opportunity at this point, since... We, we did a whole show on Friday about what team schedules looked like. If you want me to go through all of that again, you got another thing coming. Just go back and listen to the Friday show. I went in alphabetical order. You can find the teams pretty easily that way. History was made on Monday, despite the card being uh, short and not super interesting from a fantasy standpoint. Russell Westbrook, 28-13-21, triple-double to set the all-time mark now, breaking a very short-lived tie with great Oscar Robertson. Russ now, with presumably a few years left on that career, is the all-time triple-doubles leader. His team lost this ball game through no fault of his own. Just kind of could have used a little bit of help. Bradley Beal's out for a couple of games with a hamstring injury. The thought going into this one was, well, you know, uh, Davis Bertans probably gets a few more shots, and maybe the answer to that was like two more shots. And that's probably enough for him, because they're all going to be three-pointers. Figured Rui Hachimura would get some more shots. He did, but his fantasy game is lacking. I thought Aul Neto would have a few more shots in the starting lineup. He did, but didn't get any assists because Russ had the ball every single time down the floor and had 21 of them. Uh, I think Neto actually profiles as an okay stream for the next ballgame. He's a very good foul shooter. He's relatively efficient because he's not going to be the guy who's taking bad shots. So the field goal percent will be not great, but probably not horrible. Somewhere in the middle there. Uh, and usually you'll see more than two assists. Just a, a point guard that's, he's starting technically at shooting guard, but Russ played 40 minutes. The eight minutes he's not on the floor there and maybe more like 10, 11 in their next ballgame, whatever it happens to be, Neto's the point guard. And then you look at it and you're like, oh, well, maybe Ish Smith kind of screwed that up for him. And he sort of kind of did, but Ish only had one assist also. So it was one of those games where everybody was like, all right, well, like we're not going to pass it because it, that's, this is our chance to actually hold on to it. So what do you do? Well, you don't have to do anything. None of these guys is a must-stream guy. Uh, Bertans, I think, is your closest. Feel comfortable there if you're looking threes. And then Neto, if you're looking for uh, probably a couple of assists and then some free throw percent. On the Atlanta side, relatively predictable lot. The only surprise here was that Gallo didn't get to the free throw line. He's a free throw percent streamer for scoring as well. He was fine in 21 minutes, but not very good. And one of the reasons you can isolate is that DeAndre Hunter did finally make his return May 11th after that short-lived return near the end of March. Am I picking him up? I am not. They're going to be very careful with him after what happened last time. All he does is ruin Gallo as a streamer. So the Hawks now are kind of paired down to the top four. Trey, Capella, Collins, and Bogdanovich. Uh, I would not use Herter or Gallo or Hunter for any reason whatsoever. Herter, by the way, is your closest of those three, but to me, none of them actually makes the cut. Indy beat a tanking Cleveland team 111-102, harder than it should have been, 
for reasons not entirely known to me. I guess I would have to say rebounding because Indiana had one guy getting rebounds. That was Sabonis, who had 20 of the team's 47 boards in the ballgame. Cleveland out-rebounded them 50-47. to Cavs shot 36% in this game. Indy 50, and they only lost by 9. Free throw discrepancy was also a pretty big deal there. Indiana uh, sort of don't care. Sabonis, very good. Lavert, obviously very good. These guys have ridiculous usage right now. Uh, Keelan Martin had 25-7 and seven off the bench in 25 minutes. Do I trust that to happen again? Yeah, maybe. Uh, I'm probably not going to do anything with it just because we don't know enough about his fantasy game to say, here's what you can expect. He hit some threes. He made his shots. He's not going to shoot 69% every game. The rebounding was okay. It seemed like he actually ended up playing uh, a decent amount of forward minutes for Indy yesterday. But as far as the Cavs go, you're Sabonis, Lavert, McConnell, and if you're going any other direction there, you're, you have bigger stones than I. You got Batadze if you just need blocks. He got two of them in nine minutes. Holiday if you're looking for steals, though he did have three blocks and three threes in that ballgame last night. And then, you know, if you're if you're really saucy, you go Martin and just say, that's a full-on roll of the dice and say, I don't know what you're going to do, but I'm hoping you're going to do a bunch of it. I'm not. Cavs side is a little bit more interesting because they got a bunch of guys out right now. Darius Garland is missing. Jetty Osman is missing. Those are the, the guys that may or may not be back before the regular season is over. In the meantime, Colin Sexton had a usage of 38 in this ballgame, took 26 shots and missed most of them, 12 free throws and made most of them, 25 points, 5 boards, 8 assists. You can fire up Colin Sexton and just hope that the shooting is better in the next one. Jared Allen, he's a go. Uh, the absence of both Osman and Garland does, and Love, by the way, sat this one out because it was a back-to-back, so you'll probably see Kevin Love back for the next one, which makes me a little bit reticent about some of these other dudes. Like, Isaac Okoro took 20 shots in this game. By the way, please keep that up, Isaac, because somehow I ended up with your god-awful throwdown moment in the top shot pack yesterday. So I'm going to need Isaac Okoro to become really good over the next year and a half because that moment isn't worth anything right now. He had 22-10 and 4, so this is good for him. Uh, His fantasy stat set isn't that great, which means when guys have kind of crummy stats, there's a pretty obvious correlation here. If you have a crummy stat set, you need a truckload of usage to hit any kind of value. So far this year, Okoro is averaging 32 minutes a game. He's ranked outside the top 250. Like, Dan, how is that even possible? A dude that's on the floor for 32 starters minutes should be worth something. He's not. He's only taking eight shots a game, shot every four minutes. That's pretty brutal. And he's shooting 42% on them. He's not getting to the foul line, and that's actually a good thing because he's only shooting 74% there. Nine points, three boards, two assists, a three, and a steal. That's not good. But a lot of that is because Sexton, Garland, Love, Nance, Allen, for stretches, Drummond. All of these guys were in front of Okoro in the pecking order. This last week is a perfect opportunity for the Cavs to just say, Isaac, go nuts. So, if percentages are not a problem to you, have at it. If they are, beware a little bit, because they're probably not going to be good, and you have to hope for big-time counting stuff. Meanwhile, Dean Wade at 19-12, three steals, three threes. He was the direct beneficiary of no Kevin Love because he slid into the starting power forward slot. Love plays. I'm not touching Wade. He would still, by the way, see probably enough time off the bench. But again, 
like you need the 13 shots. You need the five free throws. You need him to actually be out there doing things because he's not a super high usage guy either. That type of stuff doesn't change really. At least not overnight. Changes as you remove high usage guys from the equation and low usage guys are forced to do things that maybe they're, I don't know, a little uncomfortable with, but it's good. And so you wait on the injury report here. I'm not going to touch either of them, Wade or Okoro, but if you're going to go for either, you probably go Okoro because he's starting regardless. And maybe this last game unlocked a another gear in, okay, I can go shoot now. Season's done. Doesn't matter if I make mistakes. We're out of it. Guys in front of me in the pecking order are out. Screw it mentality. Pels lost to the Grizz. That pretty much knocked them out of the playoffs because the Spurs also won yesterday in a super weird and unexpected twist. The Spurs just popped off for, what do they score, like 150 points last night. So the Pels are now two and a half games back of the 10 seed. We're halfway through the final, well, we're one day into the final week of the regular season. So technically they're not quite eliminated yet, but they're eliminated yet. (laughs) So let that one go. Did I even tell you who I was? I'm Dan Bespris, by the way. Thanks for listening, everybody. Lonzo's good to go. James Johnson's good to go as long as Brandon Ingram and Zion remain out. Bledsoe, I think you can probably start him. He played enough. He's having some weird free throw stuff going on right now. And then the battle at the center position, which sort of at the moment is a perfect timeshare, 24 minutes apiece in last night's game. Hernan Gomez won that battle by one minute, basically. And Willie sucks at the free throw line and doesn't get any defensive stats, but he's going to get you rebounds. And uh, Jackson Hayes also not very good at the free throw line. Generally, will get you some defensive stats and actually had some threes in this ballgame in an interesting twist. So I still believe you can probably use both of those guys for some purpose in your fantasy league. Again, as long as Steven Adams is out. That's the the big qualifier there. Uh, Najee Marshall started at small forward, double-double, three steals and a block. He's an horrendous foul shooter, so you're playing with fire there. The guy that we should all be paying attention to is Nikhil Alexander-Walker, who had 18 points, six assists in 24 minutes. He's on a cap right now, but as this final week winds down... You might be looking at two really big games from Alexander Walker towards the weekend. Keep an eye on that. I don't think you need to make the move on that today, but do it when his next one approaches. For the Grizzlies, Jaron Jackson Jr., he's getting himself ramped up. Played 27 minutes here. You're starting to see now he had the big adrenaline, then the little dip. Now he's slowly coming out of the dip, looking a little bit more like himself every ball game, And so he's... He's kind of ruining slow-mo, although Kyle Anderson had four blocks in yesterday's game, so that did a, a big thing for his numbers. You can still keep using slow-mo. He's carved out himself a, a very nice role. Uh, Justice Winslow is back out again, so that situation has, has sort of rectified itself. Brandon Clark had five defensive stats, but he's been generally pretty bad for the Grizzlies this year. D'Anthony Melton had three defensive stats, but he too isn't getting enough time. Memphis just went heavy er heavier on the starters in this game which is weird for them to see a bunch of guys play 28 or more minutes and then the reserves they like to go like seven deep on the bench and all of those guys get to play about 20 minutes which sucks because not any of them can do enough in 20 minutes closest is melton in terms of reliably putting up value in 20 minutes but we don't even know if he's going to get those every night so as much as i love him he is a streamer at best right now 
Spurs beat the Bucks 146-125. That's the total I was thinking about. And somehow, San Antonio managed to put up a buck 46 and still, to me, only have two, three, excuse me, interesting fantasy players on the team. And one of them wasn't even that good, and that's DeMar DeRozan. But it's Pirtle, Murray, DeRozan. Rudy Gay had 19 in 22 minutes. You can't trust that. Keldon Johnson had 20 and 7. Just hit his shots, but the usage was not great. And he doesn't do much besides score and rebound. Patty Mills just hits three-pointers. Lonnie Walker just hits three-pointers. That's a boring-ass fantasy team. And the Bucs, you could make the same claim, but at least they have more guys that are interesting. They have generally four. Brooke Lopez wasn't quite as good in this ballgame. I still believe that Robert... I call him Robert. Bobby Portis is going to have himself a big week. Bucks play every damn night this week. And there's almost no way that Giannis, Middleton, Drew, DiVincenzo, Lopez, there's no way those guys play all five. What the hell would be the point? That, I mean, that's just... That, that feels... Uh, I mean, I guess we don't know. We don't know for sure, but... The fact they still have four games left in a, in a five-game week and then two of them are back-to-back on the last two days of the season. So here's the issue there, is that everybody's going to be resting on that last day, so you got to make sure that whoever you have in your lineup is someone who's playing. I bet Portis is the guy they're just like, Bobby, go nuts. You can play Chicago. He was there for a little bit. Not going to be any kind of revenge thing going on there because they've played each other already. Uh, but... Yeah, I think I would actually just pick up Portis for these last four games this week. I think you probably see Bucks resting tonight against Orlando. Bobby's just going to have somebody out almost every game. And this is his week to just to go get it, whatever he wants. It's yours, Bobby. Take it. Immortality. Utah uh, lost at Golden State. Steph Curry, big three-pointer late in that ballgame. He had 36 just continues to rumble right along. And a big old push on this podcast yesterday for Juan Toscano Anderson, and he rewarded us nicely by making his only two shots and going for five, seven, five, and four. It's a nice little Kirilenko style line. So I can dig that. I like Toscano Anderson's fantasy game. He doesn't his usage was as low as anyone you've ever seen, but he just fits in so beautifully with what they do as a guy who will almost always pass first, slash play defense. He just fits. He just fits. I'm a little surprised he's not in the starting lineup. But it is tied a bit to the Kelly Oubre injury, so uh, monitor that. Should he pop back up again? Utah side kind of tried to warn you guys that George Nyong is not going to be someone you want to use, and so hopefully nobody went that route. Houston at Portland. uh, No Carmelo Anthony, so there was a little bit more Derek Jones Jr., but not enough to make a difference, so Portland remains uh, generally an uninteresting spot. Houston is the opposite of that. They are very interesting because they've gone to a who's who of who? That's really a who's who? Get my nomenclature right here on the pod. Kelly Olenek played, so that's an easy one. Jay Sean Tate played, couldn't make his shots, but that's an easy one. I mean, he'll be pushing triple doubles here the rest of the way. KJ Martin played, and that's an easy one provided that Christian Wood is out. If Wood comes back, that gets a little bit murky. I'm not sure that he does. I think you probably still go Martin. Because even if Wood comes back, I don't. I doubt they'll play him 33, 34 minutes. There's just there's no point in running anybody ragged at this point. So the, uh, those guys were sort of the upper crust, and that was what we talked about on yesterday's pod, looking forward to this ball game. 
And then the next tier down was Armani Brooks and Daquan Jeffries, and Jeffries was not good. You generally trust a guy who's starting, and actually none of those guys did. So that was a good little, hey, these guys are not even going to be, these guys aren't starting, so there's no guarantee. So probably don't mess with it. And then the wild card was Karai Thomas, who had 20, or played 29 points at 18, uh, 29 minutes, excuse me, at 18 points, four boards, and five assists. He was the guy. We looked at it yesterday, we were like, this dude is trying to earn himself a contract. He's just going to go bananas. And he did. He took 15 shots in his 29 minutes on the floor, led the team in shots, not in usage, because Olenek had all those free throws, but led the team in shots uh, total and definitely led the team in shots. Well, that's not fair to say. I guess someone else could have led the team in shots per minute on a sort of smaller scale. But he took 15. Nobody else took more than a dozen. And for that reason, you probably could trust him again. I, I just, I get this feeling like there were a couple of games in the tank for a young guy trying to make a splash, and then all of a sudden the, the gas is going to run out. And, then, and like, with these young dudes that are trying to, to make an impact quickly, they don't see the low fuel light come on. The bing, you got a gallon left in the tank, and they'll just blitz right through it, and then all of a sudden, wham, fuelless. So you do have to take that into account when you're playing almost any of these guys beyond K.J. Martin, who they actually do want to get playing time, and, and I think he feels relatively safe there. The Armani Brookses, the Thomas, Lamb, Jeffries, all those guys that are just sort of floating at the moment, you can already see some of them running out of fuel. And Brooks is very much a three-point specialist, so I don't... I mean, that's not, not really my cup of tea when there are other ones out there that have a little bit more of a guaranteed role, but, you know, whatever. Roll the dice if you want to. Guys, continue to check out our buddies over at mybookie.ag. I want to make sure everybody's got an account set up before we hit the playoffs here because we will be talking betting during the NBA playoffs on this podcast. I happen to think that betting totals during the NBA playoffs is incredibly lucrative. So open up an account. Go to mybookie.ag. Use promo code Hoopball, H-O-O-P-B-A-L-L, on the third page of sign-up. That'll unlock various deposit bonuses if you want to use them. But at the very least, it lets them know who sent you. And then my bookie can come to Hoopball and say, hey, let's continue to be partners. And I can say, awesome. I will continue to let all of my listeners know whenever there's an odds boost so we all can just take home a bunch of free money. That, good friends, is easily my favorite part of all of it. But there's no odds boost right now. It's just playoffs coming up, and we're going to make money off of that as well. And if you want to know who to bet on, you should just be following Aaron Bruski, our founder who's been on a 60% tear since the All-Star break. Two freaking months. That's over like 115, 120 plays he's made. He's cracking 60% over that entire run. It's pretty remarkable. That's in the wager pass at hoop-ball.com. That's for $9.99 a month. That runs year-round. We have betting on baseball going right now, uh, golf. MMA, there's all sorts of good stuff in the Wager Pass. That's at hoop-ball.com. Click on the Premium tab and select Wager Pass. And then again, open up an account over at mybookie.ag with promo code HOOPBALL. Uh, tonight, pretty hefty size card. We got an 11-gamer coming up on this Tuesday night, so you may be locked into some overload situations on your fantasy team. And if you are, let's see if we can pull anything apart here in a very quick nightly preview because, you know, like, who cares, really? 
Denver is at Charlotte. I think the only thing you're monitoring there is whether or not the Nuggets are going big or small in their starting lineup. Will it be Austin Rivers? Will it be Paul Millsap? Will it be Jermichael Green? As I said yesterday, the one of those three guys I would trust to throw into a lineup we find out they're starting is Jermichael Green. If he is going to get starters minutes, he'll be good enough to go. Charlotte, nah. Minnesota, nah. Use their four main guys. That's enough. Detroit, seems like the veterans are all out. So that's that makes our lives a little bit easier there. So you can go with the Isaiah Stewart, Sadiq Bay duo. If you're willing to brave the Killian Hayes turnovers, that would also be okay. Miami, Boston, Jalen Brown. Ooh, bury the lead a little bit on that one. Jalen Brown has a torn ligament in his wrist, so he's out for the the uh, remainder of this season and the playoffs for the Celtics. That means Evan Fournier gets a pretty good-sized bump. You can go ahead and use him confidently the rest of the way. Miami, you guys, we talked about there's no valuation changes there. Ariza's been above it. All those other fringe guys have been below it. Duncan Robinson, the closest of the remaining few. Clippers, just use the top three. Make your life simple. Toronto, this is your homework game, by the way. And it really, it's a homework on the news going into this game. I think you can feel pretty confident uh, using Malachi Flynn. We just found out that Chris Boucher might play in this ball game, which would put a bit of a dent into our Kem Birch love. Uh, I think both of those guys ends up holding value, but it's not guaranteed. And then you have to see if any of the other regularly scheduled starters are out there. But beyond that, you're really just... You're trying to see if anyone on this Raptors team can carve out a uh, an actual role with fantasy appeal because a lot of their guys don't have that. So pay attention close to the news in that Toronto game. Dallas, same thing. We want to know if Luka Doncic is getting himself suspended for this one or not. I don't think there's been a ruling on it yet. At least if there has, maybe it happened during our recording. Uh... I haven't seen anything. Oh, JV is doubtful. That's crummy. That just flashed across the news. Womp womp. Ah, well, got yourself a Xavier Tillman stream. Cool beans, man. Got to make a decision quick on that one, though. Um, Brooklyn, they're, they've really turned themselves into a star power team at this point. KD, Kyrie, uh, Blake Griffin have been good enough lately. Sounds like James Harden is trying to make his return tomorrow for the Nets. So mark that one down because KD probably sits the back-to-back. Don't know. Maybe they try to get all their guys in together. Chicago, Levine, Vooch. Kobe White's been good enough lately. Thad's been good enough lately. I don't think I'm going anywhere beyond that. Philly, watch the news again. If Simmons is out, uh, you get Thibel. It's probably about as far as I go there. Indy, we already talked about them. Orlando, it's the Moes. Team Mo. Wagner, Bamba. Good enough for me. Milwaukee, it's Bobby Portis time, man. It's coming. I'm telling you guys, it's coming. Half this team is going to get rested at some point over the course of today. They're currently favored by 13. Uh, that might You may just want to set up a middle. Take Orlando plus 13 and then wait for half of the Bucks to get ruled out at 2 p.m. and then take Milwaukee at like minus 5. Someone's sitting. I don't know what it's going to be, but it's going to be someone. Phoenix, uh, nothing. Warriors, talked about them already. Thunder, I wouldn't touch them. Sacramento, sounds like all of their guys that are getting close are still doubtful or questionable. So keep an eye on the news there, particularly De'Aaron Fox. Sounds like he's probably the closest to getting back of the Fox-Halliburton-Barnes contingent. 
The Knicks in L.A. taking on the Lakers. A little surprised the Knicks are a five-and-a-half-point underdog, but I believe that's because LeBron is expected to return for this ball game, And we don't really know how right he's going to be. I've got to think that there's still a pretty good amount of rust there. I would love the Knicks, looking at that thing from a betting standpoint. Uh, but in terms of fantasy stuff, LeBron coming back does completely destroy anything that was going on for the Lakers beyond Anthony Davis. So Alex Caruso, no. Any other big men, wings, whatever. KCP might have a little bit of value as a three-point and steals guy. But uh, again, with LeBron back, I don't know that you can trust him to get enough shots to actually clear that hurdle. And that's it. We'll go short today. We'll go short. We're wrapping things up here. There ain't a whole lot of other things that we want to talk about because we're not hunting upside or anything like that. Uh, towards the end of... But by the way, we'll also do a little bit during the uh, the wrap-up of the regular season on keepers and dynasty and things of that nature. So we got a lot coming up here. Please do stick with us for now through the offseason, all that good stuff. Follow me on Twitter at Dan Bespris, D-A-N-B-E-S-B-R-I-S, or just Google search Dan from Hoopball. Hoopball is at Hoopball Fantasy, the Twitter feed for the fantasy news feed as news breaks, which is where I get most of my news, such as the Malcolm Brogdon still out. Just saw that one as well. Um, And I think that's all the important stuff besides my bookie, which I already told you about. All right. Have a great Tuesday, everybody. That's it. It's weird. Shorter shows here coming up for the next couple of months, I guess. Uh, This is Fantasy NBA Today, a hoopball presentation. You guys have a lovely one. We'll talk to you tomorrow. So long. This has been a hoopball presentation.